going to be exactly what you're used to. See, here's the thing. Hi, everybody. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> the thing is, uh, generally speaking, every week, I walk up here, grab this incredible book, open it up, and preach the word. And uh, we've been in this series called Baggage for the last uh, six weeks or so, and um, it's been a lot of ideas about how do we put down the baggage that exists in our lives. Well, you see these guys behind me setting up chairs. The reason for that is because today it gets all practical. Today we're going to get way beyond the theoretical. It's not going to be so much about uh, doctrines or verses that we're going to be memorizing. It's going to be about life application. And a whole bunch of us get really good when it comes to what goes on in our heads about God but we don't get really good about actually fleshing it out in our lives. So uh, we're going to do something different today and have a panel of people that are going to be up here to share with you a little bit because the truth of the matter is that in our lives, there is a uh, need for us to get practical. We are on a journey with God, right? And, and I think it's so important for us to understand this. The Bible could not be more clear about this. From Genesis to Revelation, it teaches us that God is calling us into a relationship with him through his son, and that that relationship is a journey. We tend to think in terms of destinations. If I get in my car today, I'm going to punch something into the GPS. It's the destination I'm headed for, and I want to get to that destination. That's the point of the journey. But in Christ, it's not like that. The, there is no destination that we're headed for. Some of, us, some of us know Christians who have been Christians a long time, and we just respect them, and they're wise, and they're godly, and we're like, yeah, that must be the destination, spiritual maturity. I want to be spiritually mature like him. I want to be spiritually mature like her. That's the destination. Let me tell you something. That him or her that you're looking at has not reached a destination. They're on a journey too. And that journey just continues. It's part of what it is to be a Christian. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you see God calling Abraham, or Abram when he calls him. And he, and he calls him into a journey with him. And he says, there's going to be this promised land. And, and Abraham goes, cool, I'll go. And he takes off and he begins to walk with God and he follows God. And if you read his whole story through the book of Genesis, you know what you find out? He never reached any destination. The whole story of Abraham, who is the father of our faith, is about his journey. And then you keep reading the major focus. You go into the book of Exodus and, and here's Moses and God comes in a burning bush and he calls him and, and he tells him again about that promised land that he told Abraham about, right? And he says, now come on, we're gonna take the people of Israel and we're gonna go. And the entire book of Exodus is about Moses' journey with God and guess who never gets into the promised land? Moses. His whole story, this great man of faith, is not about the destination, which he thought it was about. It's about the journey. He, Jesus comes along and he sees these fishermen and he says, hey guys, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they walk away from their boats and their nets and you know the story and they begin to follow him. Let me ask you a question. Where was the destination? Did they ever reach some point and go, oh, thank you, Jesus, for leading us. Now we're here. They never got to hear wherever here is. The whole point was the relationship with Jesus as they walked with him. 
And everything that we see in Scripture, if you read Paul's writings, he constantly refers to the walk that we're called into, a walk with God. The whole thing, you guys, is about the journey. It's not about some destination. Now, you may be thinking, wait a second, I thought heaven was a destination. Aren't we just going to struggle through this life until we finally get to heaven and we go, oh, I'm finally here. And then there's this amazing massage chair that you sit in and, you know, they give you harp lessons or something and you just do that now that you reach the destination? I don't think so. I think what heaven is about is, is that we get to have a relationship with God that is no longer impeded by sin and death and the flesh and all of that kind of stuff. And now we get to walk with him in a, in a much, much purer way. But we're still gonna walk with him. God is infinite. You're never gonna fully know him. You're never gonna know everything about him. You're never going to have grown enough in your spiritual maturity. It is always gonna be a journey. But here's the thing, sometimes on a journey, things don't go the way you planned. Sometimes on a journey, things go badly. Um, my wife and I took a vacation this summer. We went to a family reunion in Colorado, and then from Colorado, we drove down to Texas to see our kids and grandkids. And um, as we headed from Colorado to Texas, the plan was we'll just cut the trip in half. We'll stop in Amarillo on the way to Dallas. And, uh, you know, we'll drive six hours, spend the night in Amarillo, then drive six hours to get to Dallas and see our grandkids. I, I like to say we want to see our kids, but we want to see the grandkids. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as we're driving, we're coming up on Amarillo, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. I could use a stretch. I'm ready to rest. And my wife says, you know, I was thinking, if we just kept driving and we drove for a long time, we could spend the night somewhere close to Dallas tonight. And then we'd just get up in the morning and see the grandkids. Wouldn't that be great? And I said, yes, dear. <laughs> that would be great. And so I said, but you know, how are we going to find a hotel? She goes, we'll, get, we'll find a town. We'll find, it'll be okay. Okay. So we keep driving and driving and driving and driving and driving. And now it's late and it's dark and I'm hungry and I'm cranky and I'm ready to rest. And we come up on this little town in Texas called Wichita Falls, Texas. Now, uh, I met someone, just talked with someone this morning who's from Wichita Falls. So uh, let me just say this. Um, there are wonderful people in Wichita Falls, I assume. But let me just tell you about my experience in Wichita Falls, Texas. When we got there, there was a couple hotels. One was a brand new Holiday Inn Express. It was nice. And I said, great. I called them up, said, hey, we need a room. They said, we just rented our last room. I said, okay. And I started calling around. There was one motel in town that had a room. Have you ever seen the movie Psycho? <laughs> <laughs> this was not the motel out of the AAA brochure. Let me just put it that way. But they had a room. So, so I went into the front office, and a guy comes out from the back in his T-shirt, scratching his belly. He's like, yeah. And I go, I, we want a room. He just throws some keys at me. I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. We head over. We get to the room. Open the door, and the smell of mold hits you like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, wow, this is terrible. I don't know if I can breathe in here. And Christy's like, all we got to do is sleep. Then we'll get to see the kids. Come on, come on. So we go in. 
And, and I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, I should have brought the pictures, but there's two chairs in the room, both of them so filthy and stained that we wouldn't even set our suitcases on them. Not to, you wouldn't even dream of getting in the shower, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, why would God allow us to have this room? Now, it was only 50 bucks. <laughs> which is about 46 bucks too much. But... I'm thinking, come on, God, what are you doing? We get up in the morning, we get out of there as fast as we possibly can, jump in the car, and we've been diligent the whole way. We set the cruise control for the speed limit. We're driving the speed limit, 75 miles an hour through that part of Texas on the highway speed limit. We're driving along. We come to a V where it goes to two highways, and immediately it goes from 75 to 60 instantaneously. It doesn't go 75, 65, 60. It goes 75 to 60 instantaneously, and from behind the bush, there's a motorcycle cop who just hits his thing and waves me over. Now, I'm doing 75. I know this because my cruise control is on. He pulls me over, and I, I kid you not, there is a cutout area on the highway for pulling cars over right there. It's designed. The guy pulls us over, writes a ticket, and he says, hey, don't worry. You, you probably get it dismissed. Call this number. I said, oh, great. So we get home. I call the number. And I have a $248 speeding ticket. I call the number and say, hey, the cop said I could probably get this dismissed. What do I do? He goes, well, not dismissed, but deferred. I go, great, what does that mean? And they said, that means if you pay us $50 more, we won't report it to your insurance company. I go, no, that's called extortion, actually. That's what that is. And they're thinking, no, that's called the Wichita Falls tax for California license plates. That's what we call it, right? So I had to pay 298 bucks to the beautiful city of Wichita Falls. I pray they use it to upgrade their motel. <laughs> the point is this. You know, sometimes you're on a journey and it, it goes south on you. It can go south on you quick. And it can really get interrupted and really send you in the wrong direction. You know, if you're, if you're walking in the darkness and you stub your toe, it doesn't really matter who put that chair there, does it? Your toe hurts. And, and as we look in those pa passages of Scripture about those journeys, we see these guys stubbing their toes all the time. See, here's the truth of the matter. We have this misunderstanding that somehow there are people who become pretty spiritually mature and then it's pretty much a cruise for them. And they're not like us because we struggle and we hurt and we have these challenges and if we, were, if we were like them, it would go much easier. That's just not the case. And so what I decided to do today is invite some people to be a part of a panel. Instead of me preaching to you, we're gonna hear from some people about what is really practically going on in their lives what kind of baggage have they been dealing with and how have they practically learned to put it down? So we're gonna just introduce some people. The first one is uh, Pastor Byron Myers. Pastor Byron, come on up. Um, you could cheer wildly for Byron as he comes up. I mean, I feel like if this was, uh, if this was one of the late night shows, everybody would have cheered. You know? <laughs> but anyway, um, let me tell you why I've asked Pastor Byron to be in this uh, panel. It's because I have so much respect for him. It's because I know him. 
and I've watched him live. And I, I see the way he loves his wife, and I see the way he cares for his kids and his grandkids, and I see his heart for God and his heart for the Word of God. I know the kind of wisdom that this man has, and, and I want to be more like him in so many ways. And so that's, that's the reason why, you know, you show up here on a Sunday morning, sometimes you're going to see the guy in the bright yellow shirt preaching. <laughs> it's, it's because we can learn from this guy. And so um, I, I wanted to ask him to come, and he's going to share a little bit with us. Another person I wanted to invite to come is Debbie Ingebretson. Debbie, come on up. Um, I have to say they cheered more for her than you, Byron. <laughs> Uh, Debbie, uh, I have known Debbie since um, the Flintstones was a live program, okay? And, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll just keep pretending that's true. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I've known Debbie for decades, and I have watched her live her life. She's the director of our women's ministry. Uh, she is a counselor in our church. Many of you know her. Many of you have benefited from her ministry. Many of you have watched her live her life and seen the wisdom that she applies to her life. And I wanted you to have a chance to hear from her. So that's why I asked Debbie to come. The third person is Garrett Spriggs. So... And the reason I asked him to come is to bring the median age down significantly. And to give you guys a glimpse of what I looked like when I was young and handsome. Um, so Garrett is my son. For those of you who don't know, uh, Garrett is also a member of the staff here at Grace Fellowship. He's an intern and uh, he's serving the Lord uh, in youth ministry at Grace Fellowship. Um, he is a young guy who is walking with Jesus. I, I've known him a while and I know him well and I, I know his heart. And uh, he's an um, example to me. So I want you guys to get exposed to these people and to hear their wisdom and to understand that these people, the kind of people to whom so many of us look up, are people just like us. And they're on a journey just like us. And they haven't arrived either, just like us. And they deal with baggage too, just like us. And the question is, what can we learn from spiritually mature leaders who have walked with this kind of baggage about getting practical about putting the baggage down? Because when this whole series is over, I don't want us to all walk away going, yeah, we learned something about baggage. <laughs> Pick up our bags and walk away. I want us to learn to walk without the baggage. And so we're all in that journey, and we're trying to learn that together. So thanks, guys, for uh, being here. Let me grab my stuff, and I'm going to sit down, too. Um, let me just begin by asking you guys uh, to just very, very briefly, just tell us a little bit about how you came to know Jesus um, and when that happened for you. Go ahead, Byron. You start. Okay. Um, it was March 19th, 1972. Uh, that I came to know Jesus. But a little background, um, my um, wife, who was not my wife then, my girlfriend, and I uh, used to go out, uh, and we would go to the movies or go out to dinner, and then we'd end up arguing about Jesus. 
because she kept saying that Jesus was the answer to all of our problems, all the problems of the world. Jesus could just solve anything. He could help you do anything you needed to do. And I said, no, I can do it. I can do whatever I need to do. I'm going to become the best French horn player in the world. I'm going to, uh, you know, stop smoking. I'm going to do all these things. I can do it all myself. And she said, no, you can't. It's Jesus. And so we'd end our dates by arguing about Jesus. And then I'd, you know, drop her off and kiss her and, and she'd go home. Well, March 19th, I came to the date and I decided, let's go ahead and argue first about it because the Lord had been really touching me and, and, and moving in my heart. And so we started talking about Jesus right away and finally got to the impasse where she went inside and got a Living Waters tract and a Bible and she gave it to me and she said, go read this and look at that. And so I said, okay. So I went up on the top of Donnell Hill in 29 Palms and I started reading the Living Waters tract, and I started reading the, the Bible verses, and Jesus got a hold of my heart. Jesus changed me that night. Um, he, he changed me, and he saved me, and I've realized that all the things that she'd been saying, all the, those arguments, she was right, and um, I ended up marrying her, so, you know, she was right, and she had good So taste. she was right that one time, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot more than that, yes. We won't go there. Okay. <laughs> but that's how I got to it. Good, thanks. Debbie, tell us about you and how you came to know the Lord. We moved out here from Albany, Georgia in 1981. And we had one son and one on the way. And I came out here not knowing anybody except my folks lived about an hour away. So that was good. But I still desperately, desperately wanted girlfriends. And so I joined this babysitting co-op um, thinking, well, that I can meet some friends there. So I babysat for this one lady um, and her children were literally out of control. But at the end, when she came back to get her kids back, um, she invited me to this Bible study. And I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll go to the Bible study. You know, I just wanted to meet friends. Well, my whole motive was just, you know, not best. Um, I was just, you know, I wanted some people in my life. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be, you know, approved of. I had all these issues. But lo and behold, three to four months later, I met Jesus through this Bible study. So, you know, God had that all planned, even through this lady whom, you know, her children were out of control. God can use anybody. You know, anybody to bring another person to himself. And we can never discount his means or his method of how he's going to bring. Uh, so that was in, gosh, so we moved here in 81. That was probably in 83. Great. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Garrett. Yeah, so I'm probably one of the longest attending members of this church. Uh, I've been attending here since before I was born, literally. Um, but yeah, I, so I was raised by Pastor Doug and my mom, Christy, and uh, they are, if you've met them, you know they are just godly parents, pictures of um, great parents in people's lives, and I was so blessed because of that. And um, they just they just showed me who Jesus was at a very young age, and I 
said, I want to follow this Jesus guy. He's pretty cool. Um, so that was it. I'm about three years old, and I accepted Christ, and I said, I want to live for him. So I've been walking with him ever since then. Good. Thanks. Um, we're we're going to talk about baggage. That's what we've been talking about, the, the weight that we sometimes carry, that Jesus says, listen, when you come to me because you're weary, because you're weighed down with baggage, when you come to me, I will take your burden, right? And I will give you my yoke. And you can walk with me from that point on. I'll take the weight of it. And we've been talking about this for weeks and looking at it from as many angles as we possibly can. I want to hear from you guys about some of the baggage that has been in your lives and, and help us to understand, is it even possible to put down that baggage? I mean, it's, theoretically, it sounds great, but what does it look like? So I, maybe we could start with you, Debbie. Tell us, um, when you hear about baggage, what do you think of in your own journey with God? What comes to your mind? People-pleasing. I lived with wanting people's approval for such a great portion of my life. Um, I had no sense of worth, of value, of um, significance. I had none of that because I was so dependent on what you thought of me. And if I didn't think that I had everybody's approval, then, you know, it was a really, really bad day. Well, it was bad years. Um, because I feared your opinion of me. And whatever you fear controls you. So I was controlled by wanting everybody's approval. And it was... Um, a miserable place to be um, when you're that dependent on what, you know, people's opinions goes like this, but God's steady, steady. So what I had to go through was um, really, really, you know, sucking the life out of many women um, to try to get their approval and being dumped over and over and over to the point where I threw myself on the bed, and I'm like, Jesus, you're it. Roger was like a rock for me, though, my husband. Through all of this, he was like a rock for me. But I just desperately wanted girlfriends. And God knew what I really needed. He knew I needed for him to be my best friend. And so he was not allowing any human being to become an idol in my life. And that's what was happening. I was trying to replace Jesus Christ. So God has his ways and, you know, um, he tore down that idol. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing today in women's ministry if I was still dependent on women's approval of me. <laughs> that's for sure. So, so get this, guys. There's a lot of wisdom coming out right now. Pay attention. She said, whatever you fear controls you. And then she said, that, that thing that you fear becomes an idol in your life because it controls you. And so your, your focus of worship goes to that which you fear instead of him who you love. Man, that can happen very, very easily. And we don't even see it happening. So that, that's a, that is a lot of weight to carry because when people are too big and God then by definition is too small in our lives 
And so that baggage just begins to weigh us down and it, it becomes impossible to move. Yeah. Garrett, I want to ask you, um, you've been going through some real challenges lately. Um, tell us a little bit about how the Lord is using the challenges you're going through to, to kind of shape who, who he wants you to be in your journey. Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, um, I had a job where I was there for years and I was managing a business and I was doing a really good job at it and I was basically setting myself up to um, have a set career there and um, then that all crumbled down and I was all of a sudden without a job and without any real direction as to where I should go from here. Um, and I don't know if you guys know, but without a job, uh, your finances kind of suffer. So <laughs> I learned quickly. Um, I was always good with finances, I thought, uh, and I, I was for the most part, but man, when you really start getting pushed to the fire uh, when it comes to finances, you learn how to save, you learn how to do different things, and I learned a lot of that in the last year or so. Um, so part of my struggles have been dealing with um, just financial issues and also um, depending on those around me. I don't love depending on other people. I like, uh, similar to kind of what Debbie was saying, I like pleasing other people, and I like, um, um, yeah, all that that comes with that. And um, when I then have to depend on other people where I'm no longer financially able to support myself, um, that's a struggle too. And then you kind of have to learn how to deal with that without becoming um, almost lazy or... Um, settling and so that has been a struggle and um, so anyways that was about a year and a half ago um, and since then I have still been struggling to find a full-time position somewhere to really um, ignite a career and um, uh, in the midst of that uh, about in September so about a year ago um, last year uh, I was just out with some friends hanging out and um, we were we were out pretty late, so we were we were getting ready to leave, and all all my friends had been drinking, and I had a few drinks, and I was like, you know, you guys, I should probably drive us because we just got to go around the corner back to my house, and um, ended up spending that night in jail because apparently uh, I was over the limit, and um, even though I had no idea, um, which in itself was uh, eye-opening to me, it just. Uh, to me, one of the, one of the struggles I, I have had through the years is um, I feel like my heart is generally in the right place, and I feel like I'm generally striving to do um, the right thing. And so sometimes, like I've cut corners before, where it's like, ah, this doesn't really apply to me. This maybe isn't so. Uh, you know, this this rule is I I understand it, but you know, I understand myself and where I'm coming from, so I'm okay. That was one of the things with uh, something like drinking um, and. I thought I was okay. I thought, ah, I'm fine. You know, it's not a big deal. Uh, I'm safe. I, I know my boundaries. But, um, you know, in a sense, praise God uh, that, um, first off, I, I've never really struggled with alcohol controlling myself. And that's been a blessing because uh, I've seen that so often, even at young ages. And that is it's crazy. But um, also, praise God that, you know, God kind of shook me around a little bit through these last years and, and showed me, hey, you know, just because maybe you feel like you're doing okay and, you know, that's not where I have uh, as a picture for your life going. And so um, 
so not only did I have to deal with that as in, you know, spend a night in jail and, and deal with some of that, man, there are financial issues that come with that. And when I'm at where I'm already at, especially around that time, I was about at the bottom where I was financially, man, that's, that could be a, a lot of stress put on your life and a lot of, uh, um, just, uh, it's not good. And it's, it is slightly embarrassing. You know, it's not good to, now I'm looking for a job and I have to put, I have a DUI on my paper, you know, and, and I have been turned down for that. And, uh, you know, so the things that come with that, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of things and, you know, just been dealing with, with that and, and, um, all that has come with it in the last few years has really been, um, the baggage that I've had to kind of deal with. And, you know, praise God that through baggage, you know, he, he works things out. And um, I would have never asked to go through all this, and I would have done it totally differently if I would have had a chance to. But, man, he's been changing my life through this and um, been showing me so much. And, you know, I, like I said, I've grown up in the church, and I've grown up here in the Word, and I've grown up having a heart for God. But one thing I've always struggled with was just diving into the Word daily. Um, I am not a reader. I do not like reading at all. And uh, I have, so that's, that's really been the struggle with me. I, I enjoy when I read the Word, but I don't like reading. And so um, one thing I, through going through all this, I'm like, man, for some reason, God just kept speaking to me. You need to be in the Word. You need to be seeking me during this because um, life's not over and I have things for you. So I said, okay. And I started learning ways how to um, gravitate towards Him more and you know, the cool thing about not being a reader is they have audiobooks now. And I listen to my Bible daily, and it has changed my walk with God, you know. And, and um, like I said, I've, I've always been committed to, to Christ, but there are things you don't get when you don't spend time with Him. And it's sad that I've, I'm learning that more now, um, but praise God I am, you know. And praise God He's bringing me to these, this point because of my baggage in a, in a way. Yeah, good. Thanks. Uh, we've been talking about guilt and shame. You know, you, you mentioned the embarrassment of uh, your DUI. And, you know, I would not have liked to have been him calling his parents about that, you know. Yeah, me uh, neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yet, um, you know, God, he, he humbles us. But a lot of times we've been talking about the need to not just change our ways, but to actually get free of the guilt and shame that piles on. And, and Byron, you and I were talking about this and have been talking about this for some time. And, you know, you've dealt with a lot of this kind of stuff in your life. Can you, can you just kind of share with us a little bit about what the Lord's been teaching you from that? Okay. Well, the baggage that I um, brought into my relationship with Christ and into my marriage was uh, with lust, and specifically with pornography. And um, I've, I've struggled with that. I've struggled with the guilt and shame uh, that that brings because it's something you have to hide from everybody. It's something that uh, you go away in your little closet and you do. It's an idol that, that we worship. And it, it's something that I knew was wrong and I knew I needed to put it down but I kept going back to it and back to it and back to it. I, I, I went to seminary. I, I got a degree, and, and yet that was still plaguing me. It was still something that, um, uh, you know, I kept thinking, I'll deal with it myself. 
I got myself into it. I'll deal with it. So pride started to become another piece of baggage that, that, that I had to deal with. And, and then lying. You can't be doing pornography without lying. You've got to lie to everybody. You lie to your wife. You lie to your family. You lie to your friends. And it just becomes a second nature. So that, that's another piece of baggage that, that keeps adding on. And it's, it got to the point where it didn't seem like there was any way out. I, I had this double life, and I, I didn't know what to do. But praise God, God gave away. God gave choices for me to, um, to be able to, to uh, change my heart, first of all, so that I could um, have the right heart that my mind and my heart would be in the right place, that I would see things. And through the word of God, uh, showing me exactly what um, uh, was true about lust. And, and, and it wasn't the pornography. It was my heart that was the problem. I, that had to change. And uh, so in, in uh, uh, reaching out to people, um, reaching out to pastors, reaching out to friends, my best friend, and, and sharing that, um, uh, that, that's how uh, God was able to, to bring me out of that and uh, give, give me victory uh, from the baggage and, and to be able to put the baggage down. So would you say then at this point, that's just a thing of the past and you don't ever have to think about that anymore or not? No, this is something that's a lifelong struggle. I mean, there are 50% uh, of the people in the world happen to be women. <laughs> and they're all over <laughs> and and so and our society is filled with pornography uh, whether it's soft or hard it's all there and so there's a minefield out there every day I have to make a choice you know I get up and I pray God help me not to look on a woman with lust because that's what the Bible says Help me to bounce my eyes. Help me, Lord, to make the right choices today so that I don't fall into that. Um, I, I, I have a, an accountability, brothers, uh, more than one, that I can share with any problems that I have. I meet with them weekly. Um, uh, I, I have a counselor that I go to, and, and I talk to him about uh, the issues that, that, that come up. And it's something that uh, until we get to heaven... That's something that's going to be an ongoing battle. It's still going yeah. to be there. There's victory. Amen. God has given me victory, and I praise God for that. But I, I can't let my guard down. I can't stop. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like an alcoholic. You, you're, you're an alcoholic. It's, it's, it's something that temptation is always, yeah. always there. It's so important for us to get this, you guys. Um, there's a difference. Sorry, I can't see you guys. There's a difference um, between temptation and sin. Jesus was tempted. In every way that human beings can be tempted, the scripture tells us Jesus was tempted, and yet without sin. Um, so, so we all live in temptation. Now, what you just heard from the three of them, you might go, oh yeah, I don't relate to any of those temptations. Okay, maybe not, but you, you have some kind of temptation. Uh, your, your heart has issues too. We, we all struggle and, and we all are going to keep facing temptation. Uh, these, I know 
from experience, from relationship, are godly people. And yet, there is baggage for godly people too. And so we deal with temptation. There, there's this uh, great verse. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I put it up uh, on the screen for you. Take a look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And, and, and I don't have the time to teach on this passage right now. I wish I did. I just want you to understand. What he's saying is, guys, listen. If you're a follower of Christ and you're dealing with ongoing temptation, whether it's jealousy or lust or fear or anxiety or pride or, or uh, you know, greed, whatever your issues are, those temptations are not going to stop this side of heaven. That's the bad news. Because you're just like the rest of us. We all face temptation. The good news is, right in the center of that verse, God is faithful. He is faithful. And he gives a way of escape. And what is that way of escape? It's very practical. It's saying, I will let Jesus be my Lord in this moment instead of that temptation. I will not bow down to this other God. I will make my life centered on Christ. And, and if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. That verse tells us that with every temptation that comes, comes that way of escape, that possibility of saying yes to God instead of yes to the flesh. And so a huge part of putting down the baggage is simply practical. We have to believe that what God says is true and that the temptation is a lie. And when we do that, we turn and we begin to follow God and that journey continues for us. And that moment of temptation becomes something that is a victory rather than something that pulls us down. So, so we're talking about all different kinds of temptation. Listen, even the things that happen to you that are not your, maybe, maybe you have been abused by someone. Maybe you were mistreated by someone. Maybe you just had a tremendous, terrible uh, you know, illness that is not your fault. It just happened. Whatever those situations are, there's always a temptation tied to it. The illness itself is not a temptation. The illness itself is not a sin. But the temptation is to respond to the illness in a way that turns to an idol instead of turning to God. And if we could see the challenges that we face and the temptation that comes with them, and if we believe God's word, then we know there is a way of escape. We can endure it in Christ. It's not something where we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and go, I can do this. Most of us have tried that and failed, amen? Amen? <laughs> amen? amen. What are you guys, liars? <laughs> Most of us have tried that and failed, but it, it's the kind of thing where we can, we can fall at his feet. Remember what he says. Come to me, all who are weary and weighed down. I will give you rest for your soul. You can give me your burden and you could take my yoke because my yoke is easy and we can begin to walk with him. So I want to I wanna get back to you guys because, you know, I get preachy. Um, let me get back to you guys. Um, Debbie, I know that you and Roger um, were not Christians when you, when you um, got married. Um, and then you went to that Bible study and met some friends, but more importantly, met Jesus. 
and Roger didn't. So um, tell us a little bit about that and how the Lord worked in that for you being someone who became on fire for Christ and then to have a spouse who wasn't. Tell us about that. Well, I immediately began to cram Jesus down his throat. <laughs> That's what I did. That was my technique. I would uh, put little scriptures on his pillow. I would open the Bible and have little arrows pointing to certain scriptures. <laughs> subtle, I, Deb, subtle. <laughs> yes. Um, I would stick tapes. You remember cassette tapes? <laughs> I would stick those in his car so that he would automatically be moved <laughs> by the words that were being preached to him. And it all failed. I mean, you know, anytime you are actually trying to save a soul, it doesn't work. Only God can do the supernatural. I was trying to do something supernatural to save my husband. And after a whole year, you know, it all backfired. And God showed me. I was in this little neighborhood Bible study, and he showed me through this scripture in 1 Peter 3. This is what changed my whole approach. Be, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding your hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. That scripture transformed how I, for the next four years, um, approached my husband with anything spiritual. And four years later, he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And I'm just, you know, it was just hallelujah. Because I knew that I, it, it was out of my hands. And we have a son that is 36 years old, that we pray for all the time, that um, he would be saved. We tried to cram it down his throat for a while, but we have backed off for like eight years now, and our relationship could not be sweeter because we have backed off. It's the relationship that you want to um, treasure and to foster so that Jesus looks all the more inviting and pleasing. Um, but, you know, to back up just one second, Pastor, um, the baggage that I had about people-pleasing, that was really um, because I started to believe, like Pastor was saying, if you apply God's word, then the baggage can start to fall. I started to believe who God said I was. And in Ephesians 1, you can read Ephesians chapter 1, where I actually believed what it said, that I was chosen to be his child, that he foreknew me before the foundation of the world, that he loved me that much. So when I understood that I had this perfect love 
and that he sees Christ in me, so therefore I'm perfect in his eyes, I gave up trying to be perfect in everybody else's eyes. It was a tax that was a dead end. So, you know, when, after the first service, this lady came up to me and said, I've always wanted to be perfect. And I'm like, oh, i got to bring that up in the next, you know, in the next... Lady set. study? Yeah. yeah. No, today, now. Oh, no. <laughs> um, because we think we can be perfect, and it's just a dead end. But God sees us as perfect. And so we don't have to measure up to anybody. So I'll be quiet now. <laughs> Listen, there's a hidden, a hidden secret in what she shared, and I want to just dig it out for a second. You, you, you may hear what she was talking about, um, trying to cram it down her husband's throat, and when she backed off, then after a while he came to know Christ. That's not a formula, Right? It's, it's not that if you do it this way, then your husband will come to know Christ. If you do it this way, then the, your neighbor will come to know Christ. It's not that. The, the, the secret that she's sharing has to do with her own submissive heart. And don't get, don't get freaked out by that. We're not talking about her uh, because she's a woman, she's somehow less valuable than her husband. We're not talking about that at all. What we're talking about is submitting to God. That, that your heart begins to submit to God and you begin to say, okay, God, it, it's your will, not mine. It, it's your glory, not mine. It's your preference, not mine. And when, and when we gradually begin to actually live like we believe that, because most of us who are Christians know how to say that, mm -hmm. but to believe it is a different thing. And when we begin to live like we believe it, it changes everything. And you know what? Her husband is now one of the godliest men I know. He's an elder in this church. He's a man to whom we all look up literally and figuratively. <laughs> and, and yet, no matter what she did, he might not have ever come to know Christ. This is what Jesus changes hearts, right? What we need to deal with is our own hearts. And, and you know, as he was changing your heart, he also happened to be working in your husband's heart, which is just a massive blessing. Well, I, like we uh, would expect, we're, we're running out of time. Um, so I, I want to just kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, there's this amazing, familiar story that you guys probably all know about. Jesus told it. So about this young man who went to his father and he said, give me all my inheritance and I'm going to go strike out and be my own man and, and answer to nobody. And he took his inheritance and he went out and he lived life the way he wanted to. And he ignored, you know, everything his father had taught him. And he just fed his flesh and lived for his flesh. And as you would expect, the money ran out, the fun ran out, his life hit rock bottom. And, and he was literally living in a pigsty. And the scripture says, when nobody was helping him, <laughs> that's interesting, when nobody was helping him, he finally turned in his heart and said, I should go back to my father and not insist on anything, but humble myself and lay myself at his feet. And when he went back to his father, of course, his father, who is representative of God in this story, received him and restored him because he's a son. Now, I don't know exactly how you might relate to that story, but I know that every one of us, in one way or another, tends to decide, I'm going to live my life for me, my way. 
And sometimes it's just in a moment. Sometimes it's just for a day or a season. And then we say, don't worry, I'll come back to God because he's gracious. Um, wherever you find yourself today, I can promise you this. It doesn't really matter what the particular baggage is. The answer is found in humbly submitting to God, turning from the direction you were going and turning back to your Father. And the good news is our Heavenly Father is perfect. Our Heavenly Father is gracious. Our Heavenly Father is the definition and the source of love. Our Heavenly Father is the one who makes it possible for us to have life and to have life more abundantly. So wherever we find ourselves today, whatever we might be struggling with, whatever baggage we might be carrying, we really need to be able to give that to God. And I, Garrett, you were sharing something earlier about David. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts about that. Yeah. So the cool thing about helping lead uh, youth ministry is that I actually get to learn a lot, um, which is actually awesome. If you ever get a chance to teach, do it, because that is the best way to learn. Um, anyways, this last uh, a couple months back, we were going through um, basically David's story and Saul's story and how they contrasted. Um, and one thing that kind of brought back up to me was, man, as a kid, I idolized, I want to be careful, I didn't idolize, I wanted to be like David, right? I wanted to, he was the guy in the Bible, I was like, man, this guy is awesome. He is pretty cool, first of all. Secondly, though, he is always seen as a man after God's own heart. God calls him that himself. And I said, man, I want to be that. I want to be always, no matter what I do, I want to have the heart that's chasing after God. And it turned out that I was more like David than I wanted to be. And I don't know if you know much about David's story, but man, he hit some, some bumps in the road and he did some terrible, terrible things. Um, but in the end, he was still a man after God's own heart, which is encouraging to me. Um, that is not to say that he was a perfect man because that's not happening. But um, even though he made terrible decisions, went through a bunch of terrible things, um, he repented and he used what he had to change the world. Um, and that was one thing that, like I mentioned before, I would have never gone through this again and, and I hope no one has to. But um, without going through this, I would have never had the opportunity to share about it. And um, I've already talked to numerous people about my experience and what I've been going through and the choices that I made that led up to these, um, where I'm at now. And because of that, it's um, hopefully changing some lives, and um, God just, he's given me opportunity. Like, the internship here, I would not have been able to do the internship here if I did, if I had the job I had before. Um, now, again, yeah, I'd like to have a job, be able to provide and set a future, but man, it's been such a blessing what I've learned here and what I've studied here. Having a focus on God more and more has, has changed my life for the better than then to be honest, a nine to five job could have done in this season of my life. And um, so God is using these, these uh, terrible experiences that I have gone through and I'm still going through. And he is using them to not only change my life, but to hopefully change other people's lives and, and to give me empathy for people who are going through similar things. Um, and, you know, praise God for that. Because to be honest, I would not have experienced... Um, I would not be where I'm at now without going through um, the trials that I've been through. And um, I'm hoping to now learn from where I've been 
and continue to seek after God and, and continue to grow in that way. So. so have you arrived at your destination? Yeah, I'm there. I'm, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I definitely have not. And, and that's the thing, like I said about David, I mean, you think he's there and then he messes up. And he is, you know, it's, it's such a great picture. It's so important for us to get this and, and we'll wrap up. It's not about the destination. There is no destination. Stop telling yourselves it's just a struggle until I get to wherever. I mean, wherever. You may think it's just a struggle until I get to the other side of this addiction. You may think it's just a struggle until I get out of debt. You may think it's just a struggle until I meet Mr. Right. You may think it's just a struggle until I get healed. And when I get healed, it'll be okay. There's never a time when you reach the destination. Jesus calls us to walk with him. He, it's the relationship, not the destination. And when we get to heaven, we will still not have reached our destination. It'll just be easier to walk with him. And that's the point. So, so take a deep breath wherever you find yourself. Give yourself some grace and just reach out and say, wherever I go, I'm going in this yoke with Jesus. We're yoked together. Let him carry the weight. And, and, and it doesn't get to a place where you go, okay, everything's fine now. If you ever get to that place where everything's fine, duck. <laughs> right? But, but it's the relationship. And when you're in the relationship, even when you get hit with the surprise... Even when you fail yet again and you're so disgusted with yourself. Even when somebody else lets you down and you just feel empty and broken inside. There's always an option. And that option is to do what you believe would be pleasing to God. And by his power you can do that. Because in Christ we could do all things. Okay? Let's stand and pray together. God, we just want to humble ourselves in your presence. We want to bow our heads before you and confess that you are God and we are not. And so every effort that we take to lead our own lives, God, help us to repent of that. Every effort we take to put somebody on the throne of our hearts other than you, God, help us repent of that. Father, help us to be people who, who say, I'm going to take Jesus' hand and wherever Jesus goes, I go. And then during that journey, Lord, shape us into the person you created us to be. Father, I just pray you'd help us, all of us, to keep saying no to the baggage, letting you carry the baggage, and let us walk with you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, um, very, very brave and kind of these guys to share their weaknesses. Let's thank them. And, and let me just say that um, maybe something that was shared today touched your heart and you went, wow, that's, I'm dealing with something like that. I, these guys are available to you. They're your brothers and sister in Christ. They are happy to meet with you, to pray with you, to have a cup of coffee with you. Don't hesitate to sit down with them and say, hey, I, you know, I, I need to learn more from your journey. All they got to do is give a very brief thing today. But, but uh, they would be more than happy to share more with you if you have questions or needs.